Hello, everyone, and welcome to Killer Casts, where we tell stories of true American heroes. I'm your host, Michael Kilpatrick, and alongside, I've got my brother, Brandon Kilpatrick. Hey, everyone, we're excited to share with you a couple stories about people when in difficult situations displayed heroism and courage. To introduce ourselves, again, my name's Michael Kilpatrick, and I'm a mechanical engineering student at BYU-Idaho. And again, I'm Brandon Kilpatrick. I'm a structural engineer and a member of the Idaho Army National Guard. We went with the name Killer Cast for a couple of reasons. First, because growing up in sports and in school, we were given the nickname Killer because of our last name, Kilpatrick. And second, because we find these to be killer stories as an excellent, exciting, and impressive. In today's episode, episode five, we'll be giving two stories. The first is about an unlikely ally to the military, Charles Pratt and the Pratt Institute. What Charles created opened the door for immeasurable contribution to the war effort. The second is about an invincible army that may have turned the tides of the whole war. Let the podcast introduction spark patriotism in your heart, and then listen all the way through to see how the two stories connect. We hope you enjoy today's stories. Now let's set the record straight. There's no argument over the choice between peace and war. But there's only one guaranteed way you can have peace, and you can have it in the next second. Surrender. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. Where did we find such men? We find them where we've always found them. In our villages and towns, on our city streets, in our shops and on our farms. The American people may not always see them, We may not always hear of their success, but they are there in the thick of the fight, in the dark of night, achieving their mission. We thank God they're there. On October 2nd, 1830, Charles Pratt was born, becoming one of 11 children in his family. His father was a carpenter who taught him to work hard and focus on detail. Charles attended high school for just three winters before dropping out and began pursuing his business dreams that would soon return generational wealth. He became a pioneer of the U.S. petroleum industry and also started a kerosene refinery in Brooklyn, New York. Seven years later, after becoming partners with Henry Rogers, they agreed to join John Rockefeller's Standard Oil Company, becoming the largest oil refinery in the world, and Pratt became one of the wealthiest men in the history of Brooklyn. Although Charles didn't attend college himself, he was a major advocate for education. He founded the Pratt Institute in Brooklyn during the year of 1887. Pratt Institute was one of the first colleges to be open to everyone, regardless of class, color, or gender. He wanted to offer education to those who have never had it offered to them before. The first term enrolled 12 students who paid $4 per class per term, equating to about $111 today. The school taught the students a variety of subjects such as architectural engineering, mechanics, dressmaking, and furniture building. Drawing was thought of as being a universal language, and the school complemented each class with a strong foundation in drawing. In the first five years, the school grew to nearly 4,000 students. The institute became so successful that Andrew Carnegie visited and used Pratt Institute for inspiration and used the school as a model for his university, now known as Carnegie Mellon University. Pratt Institute's motto is, Be true to your work, and your work will be true to you. This school has produced many influential artists throughout history, one such being... Ellsworth Kelly, who graduated Pratt Institute in 1941 and joined the U.S. Army 
1943. Oftentimes, we never know our influence or what our actions today will create tomorrow. Brandon will now tell the second story. Dropping into France a few months after D-Day, the 23rd Headquarters Special Troops quickly got to work. Known as Operation Quicksilver, the 30,000-man unit saw action in 20 different battles and often operated very close to the front lines. They were a force to be dealt with as tanks, artillery, and aircraft were in abundance. Jeeps and trucks were on site to enable swift movement as necessary. The biggest operation this unit would face came on March 23, 1945, at the Rhine River crossing. The Germans had been pushed back to their last strong defensive position on the opposite side of the river. The Allied Army knew this last attack had to be performed flawlessly. Due to the effectiveness of the unit and the amount of combat duty the 23rd Headquarters Special Troops had seen, they were brought in for the task. The last time the Rhine River was crossed for an invasion was in 1805 by Napoleon, in which he was successful. With history on their side, Operation Varsity commenced. On that day, new history was once again made because the largest single-day airdrop ever attempted had begun. 16,000 paratroopers were dropped while the larger army crossed the river and soon the Allied force began seeing the white flag of surrender wave. On that day, not a single shot sprang from the barrels of the 23rd Headquarters Special Troops. Not a single tank or aircraft moved. In fact, during the entirety of the war, this squadron hadn't fired a single shot or even moved a muscle. Why? Well, they didn't have any to move. Their story was kept secret for 40 years after the war. You might again ask, why? Well, the 23rd Headquarters Special Troops were hand-drawn custom balloons by Ellsworth Kelly and others who attended schools such as the Pratt Institute. They were placed there to deceive the enemy. The camouflage drawn on the unit was done purposely imperfectly so it could be seen by the enemy air reconnaissance. The sight was so complete it even had fake laundry hanging on clotheslines. At night, lights would be lit to direct enemy air raids on top of this fake army instead of the larger real armies. They would draw German attention and take on fire, making it possible for the Allied troops to flank and acquire key positions during the war. Large speakers were used to broadcast the sounds of men and artillery, making it so the Germans thought there were two divisions of 30,000 men apiece. These sounds were recorded at Fort Knox during military training. They recorded many different scenarios to match whatever terrain the deception team would face, and it was said that the speakers could be heard from 15 miles away. The camp even had a spoof radio keeping the attention of the enemy trying to crack its code versus the real one. The camp had trucks driving in a looping convoy with canvas covers and two blown-up dolls in the rear indicating a full load of troops. As the trucks came to crossroads, fake military police would be there wearing appropriate divisional insignia and some officers would simulate divisional generals and staff officers visiting towns where the enemy agents would likely see them. Through the perfection of deception, it is estimated that this blown-up balloon battalion saved the lives of 30,000 men at the Rhine River crossing alone. In life, we all too often focus on and get bogged down by the things that don't matter. We let deception, or distraction, interfere with reaching our goals. We focus our efforts on the ghost army, and not on the real one. How can you do as Charles Pratt did? Make a way for others to learn and grow that didn't have that opportunity before. Making it possible for one such man, Ellsworth Kelly, to be an influential part of the German surrender. Email us your thoughts and stories you think will be great over the air. 
at killercast22 at gmail.com. That's killercasts, C-A-S-T-S, 22 at gmail.com. Remember your pledge and fight for it. Fight for it in any way you can. Fight for your pledge as Martin Treptow fought for his pledge to protect this country. Martin Treptow, trying to carry a message between battalions under heavy artillery fire. We're told that on his body was found a diary. On the flyleaf, under the heading, My Pledge, he had written these words. America must win this war. Therefore, I will work, I will save, I will sacrifice, I will endure. I will fight cheerfully and do my utmost as if the issue of the whole struggle depended on me alone. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it, we will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. <laughs>